And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Episode 209 of Panelology. I'm Alex. I'm Jenna. And I'm Tim. We are leaving a seat open for Brian this week. We are talking about Black Hammer without him. It feels wrong. I am just acknowledging that at the top of this episode. It's wrong and weird. It's wrong and weird and I just don't like it. No, but uh, things happen and we didn't have time to read anything else. So here we are. Yeah. How are you two this week? It's been a hell week. I'm done with it. Let's just put it past us. I'm done with it. This week can go die in a fire. But anyway, how was everybody else this week? It's been a fantastic week. It's been the best week. I This week is my best friend. You were off work still this week? <laughs> yeah, on vacation? Yeah, today's, today's the last day of vacation. Yeah. I am the, I guess, mama bear of the three of us then. <laughs> as I would describe this week as... Okay. <laughs> it, it was a week much like any other week. They all kind of blend together at this current point in history. Um, I did finish season two of DuckTales. Ooh. Yes. I mean, look, this show makes me cry about as much as any David Tennant episode of Doctor Who. Um, oh, no. Yeah. I don't think I can watch this show. The, I will never be able to hear the moon theme from the NES game without getting teary again. That is what this show has done to me, and I love it. I am here for it. Uh, it is very good. Strongly recommend. I know I talked about it last week, but here we are. Uh, I also got a new cookbook in this week. I got Dominica and Sel's new cookbook that is full of delicious, delicious looking baked good recipes. Man, that's that's amazing. It's called Everyone I'm... Can Bake, which also, just on the title alone, gives off some Ratatouille vibes, which makes me happy. Heck yeah. <laughs> the one thing that I, like, want to accomplish in my life, and if I don't do it, I'll probably regret my entire life, is I want to make a cookbook. We should make a Panelology cookbook. We have talked we about iterations totally of do this, this before. We should absolutely do this. Um, if nothing else, drink recipes, but... <laughs> a cocktail book. Yes. Uh, I think I'm going to start with the pound cake recipe if I can find creme fraiche. Nice. Mmm. Pound cake. I know. Yeah. I want pound cake now. Yeah. Lemon poppy seed pound cake. Mmm. Looking through the book, it's it's by far, like, not the most exotic thing in there. But, like, if I'm going to be committing to eating a baked good by myself, I need something that allows for versatility after it's cooked. Mm-hmm. Like, I am going to absolutely fuck with that tiramisu recipe when the world is back to normal, but there's only so much you can do with tiramisu once it's assembled. Oh my god, like, that's the only dessert that I can eat the entire thing and, and then want more. Well, yes, but you're not here to help. Fair. That's fair. All right, that's fair. 
Yeah. Um, so there we go. Preview of what I will talk about, I'm sure, next week. Pound cake. <laughs> All the things done with pound cakes. Yes. I mean, I'm pretty sure I have heard talk of using pound cake to make very desserty uh, uh, French toast before. Oh my oh. god. That is just, that is decadent. <laughs> yeah, that went up way different. I was waiting for you to say something really gross sounding like pound cake chili or something like that. No, <laughs> I think pound Tim, cake French toast sounds Tim just amazing. galaxy brained on this Google Hangouts call. <laughs> <laughs> you I'm to make pound cake lasagna. You should take ice cream and like get it kind of kind of not totally solid and mix your pound cake like chunks of pound cake into it and then refreeze it mm. i mean i was sitting here mm. thinking about pound cake uh as a base in bread pudding oh uh. i don't know it might get too smooshy nope nope smooshier the better smooshier the better no i like to be able to get individual clumps nope. of bread no nope. No, no, no. This is why crystals is like the only redeeming value in crystals is the steamy like gooey bun. Look, yes, the this nasty fucking just like it doesn't even seem like it's been baked crystals. Oh my yeah. god. Oh yeah. my god. Like this is just dough in my mouth and yeah. I love it. It's <laughs> the good stuff. <laughs> mm, now I need some crystals. Pound cake. No, no, no. I need I need pound cake. Yeah, and I need crystals too. But I need pound cake bread pudding. I, yeah, need I need that to be a thing. I need a steamer pack of crystals, some chili cheese fries, and then a pound cake. Stat. But I want pound cake chili on my chili cheese fries. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm sure if you went for like a like an exotically spiced pound cake, I mean pump that motherfucker up with some cumin. You could then use it as a base in like a meatball and get away with it. Someone is going to have to convince me that this is a good idea by doing it and it working. That's the only thing I that can you, happen. No, I bet you that thing would be kind of awesome. Nah. All right. The pound nah. ball. Here is what the I'm. Pound ball. Here is what I'm gonna say. If just call it the wrecking ball. The wrecking ball. There you go. If whichever NSA a- agents. Chopped pays off to listen to stupid conversations about food. Are listening? Get your boy Tim up on pound cake in a meatball challenge in Chopped. <laughs> Tim, you should just make a YouTube video of you making this thing, this monster thing. Do you know how many times I'll sing the Miley Cyrus song while I'm making the wrecking ball? I came I mean... in like a meatball. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow i think you're actually required by law to sing that song while making a wrecking yeah. ball meatball a wrecking ball meatball when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie it's a meatball my god what why are we, we here <laughs> <laughs> because no one has made a stop yet <laughs> that's the thing alex they can't they can't make us stop truly truly the darkest timeline <laughs> well shall we get into it yes black hammer we are talking about the first 11 and 13th issues <laughs> uh i mean it probably doesn't hurt anything if you read 12 but the way this is collected in trade it's 1 through 11 and 13 12 is with like 
Sherlock Frankenstein or something like it's in one of the other trades. Um Okay, yeah, I read the big book. You read the big book? Did the big book have twelve in it? I don't even know. Holy crap. Yeah, this is like one through thirteen. Okay, cool. Well, I did not read twelve. Oh, too big. Too purdy. Oh oh and she moved. She moved. I've never taken the dust jacket off this before. It's just the same thing. Huh. Oh, there's a quote by Patton Oswalt. Nice. So he likes Black Hammer. Cool. That's good. Yeah, his quote's on the second trade. Nice. Damn, why didn't we get him on this episode? For real? That would have been awesome. Could have doubled down on our Ratatouille references in this one. <laughs> so, Black Hammer. Script is by Jeff Lemire. Art is by Dean Ormston and David Rubin. Colors are by Dave Stewart and David Rubin. Letters are by Todd Klein and... David Rubin. Yeah. I wrote a I wrote a summary. <gasps> oh shit. Yes, yeah. I am <laughs> I am quite excited for this. Please, Tim, okay. summarize. <laughs> Alright. No, like it, it, it kinda tails off a little bit towards the end. So you gotta stay with me. I got kinda Well, you'll see. Drunk. Tim got kinda drunk. That's the <laughs> There's a group of people on a farm. They have powers and come from a different place. The local sheriff doesn't like them because one of them, Abraham, is hitting on his ex-wife. One of them, Black Hammer, is dead. Which is strange because the book is called Black Hammer. They came from a place called Spiral City. Gail had the power to turn into a super strong child. But now she's stuck as a child and she's having a hard time adapting. She gets into trouble for smoking. And she's only in the fourth grade. Because really, she's 55 years old. Talkie Walkie tries to send a probe out of town, but loses it. Barbalian is a warlord from Mars and tries to secret identity his life as a cop on the outside. Or on the side. It turns out neither world is progressive enough for him to find a place there. Abraham Slam got big so he could fight Nazis and then crime. Black Hammer told him this was no country for old men. Hmm. People outside town don't see the town. They found the probe through a doorway. Colonel Weird is a tortured individual. Madam Dragonfly finds out demons are not to be trusted in the worst possible way. A stranger with a relation to the group shows up suddenly. That's the end of book one. Going into book two. Black Hammer was trying to strike a balance between his responsibility to the New World and to his family. He dealt the fatal blow to the Anti-God and was transported with the group. He died trying to get back home. Turn the page. Talkie Walkie is close to finding a way out, and Colonel Weird doesn't think it should go down that way. Talkie is from an alien robot planet and was picked up by the Colonel Weird during his travels. Abe's into Tammy, who owns a diner. Tammy's ex-husband is the sheriff, and he sucks. Madam Dragonfly makes him not suck. Barbalian saves Gale from making a mistake. Flashback to how the team is assembled to fight the Anti-God. And that's all I'm telling you. If you want more, read the book. I am currently lying in my bed cursing Alex, Jenna, and Brian for not telling me to get the third trade. I could have it. It was. I was at the comic book shop. It was right in front of me. Now, Finn. In my defense, Tim. Yes. I won't defend Brian. I'll in Jin's and my defenses. Um I should defend Brian, but he did know better and he's not here to defend himself, so I won't. Under the bus <laughs> with you, Brian. Oh. Oh. Um 
This was the end of the first volume of this book. And then yes. it went away and was replaced by Sherlock Frankenstein and I always want to call it the Evil League of Evil. Tim now gets that reference, which is not yes, what that book is called. <gasps> yeah. Um, and then a new volume came back as Sherlock Frankenstein was wrapping up. So this is where like the series stopped for a minute. Because it, I remember y'all explaining to me that this was a lot more like universe building. You know, like there are a lot of moving parts to it. It's not necessarily focused in one in one thing. So is that what that was? The Sherlock Frankenstein? Yeah, there are actually piece? several. Um, I do not have them all, but I can pull up a quick list here. Uh, there are actually several Black Hammer spinoffs. Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil was the first one. Okay. Then there was one called The Quantum Age, which is actually set in, like, I think it's supposed to be, like, Legion of Superheroes style era of this universe. Um, Black Hammer came back with Black Hammer Age of Doom, which has been collected in a couple of trades. Uh, there's also, there's one set in, like, 1944 or thereabouts. It's, like, a World War II war book style Black Hammer. And then one that's called oh, it's got skull in the title. Um, so are, are are these all collected? Like when I buy volume three of Black Hammer, is that going to be the Sherlock Frankenstein? Stuff? No. So this is where okay. this is where like following this gets a little complicated. It it reminds me of, and this will probably not be the first time we make this comparison today, but it reminds me a little bit of Hellboy. Yeah. In that there's kind of a main series, but there are also all these spin-off pieces, and God, I wish Brian were here right now. <laughs> the vibe I get is you could kind of pick those up and read those on their own. Okay. But they're not, like, in the... If you buy Black Hammer Volume 3, that is the first half of Black Hammer Age of Doom. So there's a okay. separate trade that is Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil. I gotcha. Yeah, it's like the world of Black Hammer stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to have to get, like, the gin-style map on my wall with the red strings and the pushpins to yeah, to make sure. Okay. Or go on Wikipedia and pull up, like, Black Hammer release order or something like that. Yeah. That's probably what I'll actually do, but I'm still going to do the red pushpin thing. Just because I don't have... I seem like the type of person who should have pushpins and strings. You You do. Yeah. Um, as someone who has a list of your top 300 favorite conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought that was going to stop at top three, and then it was 300, and I'm so... What? I mean, to be fair to Tim... Also, send me this list. <laughs> to be fair to Tim, really, like, that pause in the middle of the phrase was, was a comma. It's a top three list, but that top three does contain 100. Yeah. This is how Tim's top three lists work. We had the conversation about my top three favorite movies, and it, it is probably about 15 movies long today, <laughs> and maybe 20 tomorrow. Yeah. This is a very accurate description of how I list things. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Can you guys hear this? No. My, there's going to be like a soft fucking background of just people talking, because... My fucking neighbors are having a yard sale 
in the middle of a pandemic. <sighs> I'm I mean, leaving this in with every and purchase, we're shaming I guess, your fucking wow. neighbors. <laughs> like, what the fuck? This is also after, like, I I planted a little mailbox garden of petunia, or, uh, yeah, petunias. Beautiful little petunias. And somebody parked almost right on top of them yesterday. As soon as they were in the ground, I was like, Oh, no. I will end your fucking lives right now. Probably not, but the point is, don't park on my brand new flowers. Also, get the fuck out of my neighborhood. Yes. If if I were to have a yard sale, it'd be one of those things where I put everything outside and then I just put like an honor system coffee can <laughs> out there. I just put things outside and say, take it. No, yeah. take it. Yeah. This is yours now. <laughs> I don't want it. You put up a sign advertising a yard sale. Everyone comes to your house in your driveway. There's just a table on it, a placard with the address of your eBay store. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's it nice and then just like a fake camera maybe just right there just so that like i don't know i would just People have a i have to be honest i would have a sign that just says what the fuck are you doing there's coronavirus <laughs> yeah you're making poor life choices right now a wily yeah. coyote style like wooden crate falls down <laughs> on them as though they are the roadrunner now i'm now my dogs are going to bark at them. This, this is perfect. I fucking love you, neighbor. I love you. You're great. My, I hope you move. My question, like, it, it's troubling that there are people, like... I thought Tim was going to continue that sentence, and then he stopped after, it's troubling that there are people, and I agree. No, no, no. <laughs> and and he was right. I mean... That's I mean, like, uh, this is supposed to be the time when you put out a yard sale sign and nobody would see it. Yeah. You know, like, like that's that's how that's supposed to work. It's troubling that there are people showing up for this yard sale. Yeah, there are people actually, like, riding around trolling for yard sales. Yeah. What the fuck? I know it's yard sale season. I get it. But, like, it's also, you could kill your grandparents' you know season. Yeah. You, you say so, it's yard sale season. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Spring is always yard sale season. I have I have circled the sun many times, and I have never been like, yes, it is the time of year for a yard sale. It's the beginning of the season, because, like, winter is not yard sale season at all, even though Georgia's usually about between 50 and 70 degrees during the winter. Yeah. Except for a week when it's 20 <laughs> degrees. Yeah. But yeah. Because cause it's spring cleaning. You're spring cleaning all your shit for people to buy. I don't know. I guess I'm just not built that way. I don't let people... I don't want people to buy my old shit. I just... Time for old shit to go away. I mean, if everybody buys your old shit, what will you build your funeral pyre out of? Exactly. <laughs> it's like they've never seen the season one finale of Game of Thrones. We were talking It's like they night. don't even want to be buried in a pyramid with all their shit. We were talking <gasps> last night about how I need like barrel fires outside my house because if anybody's going to finally confront me they should have to walk by barrel fires to do it it just seems to fit the mood tim's new aesthetic for anyone wondering is in fact heart of darkness <laughs> <laughs> oh welcome to the club tim i but i looked up how much old barrels are like why do they set them on fire they're so expensive you can get uh I think it's two of them for $99 at this place in Woodstock. That's still not cheap. It's not, but it's better than anything on the internet. Hey, Tim. Hey, Tim. Hey, Tim. Hey. Do you want to cheap out on fire containment? Also that. Uh, I mean, you're right. Yeah. You're right. 
But it's like I, I'm I'm tempted to just get those little solar lights that go next to your driveway just because it's much more cost effective. <laughs> and less scary. <laughs> but it, it does seem slightly more inviting. And that might be the opposite of what I'm going for. <laughs> Everybody be like, oh, what a nice ambiance he's got if, set up here. If I'm going to be... 80s movie super villain. I, I, maybe solar lights aren't the way to go. I mean, or you could just swing in the opposite direction and build a bat signal. <laughs> Man, your power bill just went way up. Yeah, <laughs> That's number two on the Tim Galaxy brain counter for this episode. <laughs> so anyway, I absolutely love this book and I can't wait to go get more. Yes, yeah. it is excellent. Um, I am a sucker for like really good pastiche. Yeah, which yeah. like I love parody and I love satire. I love those things too. But there is also like a place in my heart for earnest contemplation and remixing of yeah, like core concepts. Yeah. Um, and of, of, of style, like that's, that's, I guess, an important part of pastiche is acknowledging and referencing and making use of the styles of the storytellers who you are aping, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Like this book very cannily does those things. Yes. It had all the themes, but didn't. Fe- it felt very new yeah. at the same time. There is, in the second paperback, uh, a, a sort of afterword by Jeff Lemire. I think it's in the second. Talking about sort of the history and origins of Black Hammer and the fact that he basically spent about seven years thinking about this idea, pitching this idea. He actually... Had it greenlit once at Dark Horse and then got super busy with other stuff and it just never quite materialized. Um, And by the time he actually got to write it, he had had years of work on actual superhero comics. And he talks about like this tension between being known as an indie comics writer and that being a scene that at least at the time it was considered kind of lame to be into superhero comics because like you're doing the better, more artistic thing. But like he really wanted to do superhero stuff with those same like indie vibes and tell stories about close-knit family groups that he could tell in indie comics. Um but it's also got I, I can't imagine this isn't in the big hardcover that you've got. Like he drew up like Marvel Encyclopedia style character pages for every character in the book in the style of the creators who created the characters that these characters are based on. So like even down into his notes, like this idea of homage is like integral. Yeah. This is the happiest medium I've ever seen between a superhero comic and an indie comic. Well, it's because it loves both. Like Jeff Lemire and presumably the rest of this creative team, like, they're not trying to say one is better than the other or one is yeah. truer than the other. Like they are both, they're two great flavors that taste great together. Yeah. 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 Jeff Lemire did Sweet Tooth. Yes. Should I go and read Sweet Tooth? Yes. Okay. Because uh, uh, the first real, like I am reading a Jeff Lemire 
book moment I had was when you made me read Thanos. Right, and yeah. I'm very much like Thanos. And then I read this, and I'm like, man, this stuff is really good. And I knew he had written, or I thought he had written Sweet. And I'd been staring at that book for, I don't know, years. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because you just so... can't look away from yeah, it? Yeah, it's so unique looking. Like, I was like, it's got to be a and out there read so i'll probably pick up the first trade of that too. it's also been picked up for tv recently so oh, that was a great time i saw that yeah. yeah i need this book on tv i need yeah. it i need black hammer on tv i don't care if it's animated or live action yeah i f- honestly really i think do. i think i prefer live action you could really do some fun stuff with this i'm gonna take yeah. a swing at this one and say i think this should be movies yeah I think here's I think you can you can get more in depth in the story with well, the it show. Well, it depends on the the investment that you're going to put in it. If you try to tell this story what we just read in one movie, you'd have a tough time with it. I oh think. yeah. Yeah. So. But I think if you want to build out the universe, you need to do it as movies and have like no. here's Black Hammer 1, Black Hammer 2, now here's Sherlock Frankenstein. No, see, and that's why I think it needs to be TV series and there can be like spin-off slash companion series with it. Okay. Sort of like the, you know what? You'd almost end up with doing something sort of like when they had the really great Netflix shows that they took away from me for the Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. You could do use them like as companion pieces to Hell a bigger movie yeah. story. Yes. John, John Bernthal is always going to be the Punisher. <laughs> he is my Punisher. Charlie Cox is my Daredevil. Yeah, oh, absolutely, so. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It was so forever, cool. forever and ever. I mean, I feel um, this way about. Uh, fuck! I really hope by this point in the sentence, I remembered the name of the actress who plays Jessica <laughs> Jones. Oh. The B from Apartment Twenty Three. Hold on, hold on. I know her. Uh, oh, it's because you. Uh. Isn't she a Kristen? Isn't she one of the Kristens? Kristen Ritter. Kristen Thank Ritter. You. Yep. As soon as you said it. Thank you. I feel the same way about Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones. Like yes, yes, yes. Uh, but no, it was, it was it was so good and such a such a great way to tie in. It was sort of tangent tangentially tied in, but like very tied into itself. Yeah. And and I loved it. I thought it was a great way to do it. Who who would you like to see play some of these characters or hear play some of these characters? I do not. I could oh, see. Go ahead, Tim. Okay. Uh, for Abraham Slam, mm-hmm. J.K. Simmons, Stanley Tucci. No, 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 no. Now wait. No, I'm sorry. No, but J.K. Simmons is the correct answer. No, okay. um, now. Jen, I need to know why not Stanley Tucci. And then I need to ask his follow-up, but have you seen his arms in that Negroni video? I have. Also, I think it's so weird that everybody is going, don't get me wrong, if you like Stanley Tucci, cool, awesome, have fun. But he is the most dad of dads. He is the daddest of dads. He is very dad. He is so dad. dad. Even in that video, he is like, your dad is mixing a drink for your friends who are over for some reason. I'm not hearing the arguments. To, the argument against him is Abraham Slab. Um, because I don't think that his personality fit the personality that it brings to screen. I don't think it fits. That's fine. That's fine. I actually think J.K. Simmons is better as an option it, it, anyway. Talkie Walkie either has. I have two options here. Okay. Um, one is Phoebe Waller Bridge, but she was already L three three seven in Star Wars, so she's already kind of done a robot role. 
Um, or Alice and Janney. I like Alice and Janney, but if that's the case, can Colonel Weird be played by either Bradley Whitford or Rob Lowe? Yes, yes. I can, can see both of them doing a... Maybe Bradley Whitford might be a little better as Colonel Weird. I think Bradley Whitford covers the gamut better, but seeing him clean up and become Rob Lowe... I will let Stanley Tucci be Mark Marks. How about that? Um, no, that I could see. No. That I could see. Because I Why wa- not? Because Alan Tudyk. I think no. no, Alan, Alan, hold on. In, in, in Alex's defense, Alan Tudyk was my first Mark Al- Marks. Alan Tudyk as Colonel Weird, though. Now that I could see. Yeah. That I could see. Yeah. Mm. That would be badass. Yes. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, I, I don't know, I don't have a good, I don't know many child actors, actors, <laughs> uh, and then Madame Dragonfly, I think, would be a bit tough for me, too. Mm. Oh, no, Gemma Chan. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, Minerva in Captain Marvel. Oh, no, that's a good one. That's yeah. a very good one. Yeah, she would bring a lot to that. Oh, yeah, we might be done. That's a good call. <laughs> Stanley Tucci as Sherlock Frankenstein. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay, there we go. We yes. found a place for him. Perfect. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's perfect. Oh, that's Adult perfect. Gale? Oh, shoot. I need to look up her name. She was in Memento. Oh, man, that's recent. It's really back. funny that you can't remember her name if she was in Memento. She was also on <laughs> Frasier, but I don't think that's going to help either of you. I have much more chance of getting somebody's name from Frasier than I do from Memento. That was way back. I think she was in I Memento. Like how we're all, like, Googling it. <laughs> Frasier's uh, agent on Frasier, who is played by Harriet Sansom Harris. Uh, she was also Felicia Tillman on Desperate Housewives. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay, yeah, that, I mean, she might have been who they were thinking. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> she could either be adult Gale or Tammy. Yeah, she could play both of those. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Wow. I mean, I definitely saw her as adult Gale, but yes. Yes. She was Mrs. Is- Jenkins in Memento. Okay. Yeah, it's been way too long. I mean, I've, I saw it once in high school. I just remember her as, oh, wait, she's the actress who plays Frasier's agent and is in Memento. That's weird. We never cast um, Joe Weber. I mean, maybe this is just because we were talking about the Netflix Marvel shows, but there's always Mike Coulter. I feel like, yes, if he hadn't been in the Marvel Netflix shows. Eh. I mean... That sort of taints it for me, but, like, if if that hadn't happened, he would be the guy for me. You're not gonna avoid some connection to superhero movies casting this. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Besides, Lucy is 100% Tessa Thompson. Yes. Yes, this is true. Yeah. All right, we're done. Cast. Yeah. Let's get it rolling. Cool. Um... I Let's feel like this on. is gonna be a weird episode where we don't actually talk a whole hell of a lot about what happens. <laughs> because it, everybody just needs to go read it. I mean, yes, but I want to talk about maybe why we keep talking about other things. <laughs> the way a lot of this book is structured is in flashback. And yeah. it's done well because it is sort of juxtapose, juxtaposing what is happening in the story. That is really just this mystery of, hey, we're stuck here. That nobody really wants to solve except for Gale and Walkie Talkie against, 
like daily life stuck in the small town and everybody's superhero backstories and origins. And like watching that play out, watching the like comic history connections play out is sort of the fun of it. And talking about those things in specifics, I think, kills the magic. Yeah. I will give an example, though, that made me very happy of the sort of homage pastiche moments. It's issue, I think, five or six. Um, It's the Madame Dragonfly history issue. Oh, yeah. It is 100% pulling some, like, House of Mystery vibes. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a moment where uh, basically the setup backstory here is this woman has lost her child. She goes to a swamp witch to bring her child back to life. Swamp witch, who is the current Madam Dragonfly, says, Hey, look, everything has a cost, life for a life, but I'm sick of this gig. I will give my life to bring your kid back if you take my job. And become Madam Dragonfly. The lady consents to do so. She gets Dragonfly wings. Dragonfly lady, di- lady dies. Um, monkey's paw curls on the whole getting your baby back thing. Some years pass and these two dudes show up looking for missing children. A thing that Madam Dragonfly is actually very sympathetic towards. She tries to help. They treat her as monster. Barge in. Bad things happen. Did either of you catch what their names were? No. Mm-mm, sure didn't. Lynn? Lynn and Bernie, as in Lynn Wayne and Bernie <gasps> Wrightson. Oh, oh no, beautiful. Sure One of them That's oh, I sure didn't. is blasted by her magic, falls into the swamp, and emerges as what we will call a muck man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one was Lynn. Yep. No, I did not put that together. Very nice. That's cool. Yeah, it was. Damn nerd. <laughs> Damn you, Jeff Lemire, you nerd. Oh, I thought you meant me. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, Jeff Lemire. Yeah. Nerds, damn nerds, and comic book geeks. Yeah. Uh, but that is the kind of stuff this book does. Um, all of which is to say, who's your favorite character? Mm. It might be. This is a hard choice, actually, and I hadn't thought about it. The one that I want to read more might be Madam Dragonfly. That was going to be my follow-up question. The one you want more of. Yeah, I think it's going to be Madam Dragonfly. And I wonder if it's because of the the, the Swamp Thing rabbit hole that <laughs> I was apparently going down not knowing that I was going down it. But does... I think my favorite... Oh, go ahead. I think my favorite is Gale, but only because like her conundrum... I don't know why, but it fucking terrifies me. I know it can't happen to me, but like... I can't imagine being a grown-ass woman stuck in a child's body and all the shit that would come with that. Oh, it's fucked up. You're saying being infantilized and marginalized and discounted is a terror of yours? Hey, thanks for working that out for me. (laughs) You're welcome. Podcasting is therapy. (laughs) And that has been Jen is Therapy Corner. Um. I think Gale is also probably my favorite. The one yeah. I want more of, however, is Colonel Weird. Yeah. I love Colonel oh, Weird. The uh, and, and and you know why? It's it's because of that whole timey wimey 
you know, oh, yeah. love that we have. Colonel Weird is like the drip feed of Grant Morrison bullshit yeah. through this mm-hmm. book. And sort of the reason why the book is structured the way it yeah. is, because he sees all time simultaneously. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, like yeah. Dr. Manhattan. He's he simultaneously. About the record player. And and it's like, oh, so all he has to do is just relive all these like horrible moments in his life just over and over and of uh Well Tim, yeah. time is a flat circle. Yeah, but man, I was like that's why I, that was all I put in there. I was like, I'm not gonna try and explain this thing, but God, he is tortured. Yeah, tortured. I mean, he simultaneously simultaneously exists in this Silver Age Adam Strange place. But through this almost, and see, this is what I'm talking about, about talking about it, making it out to be bullshit. Through this, like, almost uh, 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 Lovecraftian madness vibe that gives him Grant Morrison powers to look through time in nonlinear ways. Yeah. Like, that's the worst possible way to describe that character, and yet technically accurate. Yeah. yeah, such an appropriate name, though, for that character. Yes. Mm-hmm. Colonel Weird. No, and I definitely, there. there's um, an interaction between Takiwaki and uh, Colonel Weird that definitely needs some more, like, I, I'm going to need to see how that unfolds. <laughs> and that, that was one of my big takeaways from the, the book is I, I want more of that, but I definitely want more Madam Dragonfly. And I just, I just was so frustrated reading that last page and i was like okay let me start the next no <laughs> why do i not have the next one right in front of me nerds <laughs> and i oop <laughs> yeah well and we have also not touched on there are a pair of characters in the team who are in different ways and at different times perhaps if not uh implicated then scapegoated in the bullshit that is going on yeah yeah um and I'm not going to say that those are the characters we also want to see more of, except I think I'm saying exactly <laughs> that. What have you done, Dragonfly and Weird? What have you done? And why does... Dragonfly, why does Gale hate you so much? Yeah. So much. Oh my god, it's so good. So uh, uh, That apparently reaches way back to... But, like, I, I don't want to discount. Like, it, it, yes, I want more dragonfly and i want more weird but i don't want to discount everything else i need more barbalian barbalian oh, is, yeah. well and i feel like maybe the reason none of us said barbalian who is great yeah, yes fantastic. i mean tim and i both said alan tudyk which should tell you how great he is yes um barbalian actually gets along with gail probably the most sort of character work in these first two books like we get to see Mm -hmm. him we get to see him take risks and actually take risks that have blown up in his face in the past right despite that like we get we get a lot of like what he is about and who he is and yeah we get a friendship between the two of them him and gail that helps ground, I think, a lot of what else is going on in this book because it is sort of the only affirmatively positive relationship between any two of these characters that is at times strained, but that at least by the end of the arc that these first 13 issues forms, like, the only strong, I think, bond. Mm-hmm. He's pretty great. Tim is He's right. pretty great. And I fucking love his big moment where he... 
he's telling off who he's telling off and he's like you know what you can live in your fear and in your doubt and in your mask but i'm good yeah thanks bye love him yeah love him I, I I don't want to give away some of the story. There's a part that I want to talk about, but I don't want to give it away on the podcast, so I'll talk to y'all about I mean, it hey, we're 45 minutes in. I think it's fair to call spoilers at this point. Yeah. The conversation, I felt so terrible for Gail. The conversation, oh. yeah, I felt so <laughs> bad. Because that, that was the moment when I felt like, you, you talk about how you're afraid of, like, that, uh, like, that didn't read that way for probably obvious reasons. That was the moment when I was like, oh, man, I hate it for her so much, you know? Oh, yeah, I I don't even know. I Like, that that part is so hard to read just because you're like, mm, I want things to be good, but they're not. That's not how you do it. No, yeah, come yeah, on. Yeah, like, uh, the, the sort of, like, standardized happy ending of this conversation would not be a happy ending for this conversation, you know? Yeah. And it's really unfair to her. Right. It's it's just unfair. It's terrifying. <laughs> Granted, there's other reasons that, you know, that may not or but the 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 first obvious one. Yeah, that'd be a that'd be a tough spot to be in. And like there were there were probably a couple times when I was like, Gail, can you just act right for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know what? If I had been stuck that way for ten years, Nah, I probably couldn't act right either. <laughs> no. You know? Hell no. I mean, I feel like that is a perfect segue into what I think would be like the best episode of this TV show. The scenes where Tammy comes over for dinner. Yes. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Oh my god. Yes. Um, There is a tension through, through the beginning of this book between Abe and Tammy. Uh, they've been kind of flirting with each other, seeing each other a little bit. Abe stays over with Tammy, and Tammy's like, okay, it is time for me to get to come and have dinner with your family. And he's like, no, no, my family, they're, uh, no. You always trail off. Well, it's complicated, yeah, you always say that. Um, finally, April relents, and no one is having it. And Gail finds like one of madame dragonfly's shirts because in in their backstory to the town like they say madame dragonfly is gail's mother and like goes full out goth kid makeup and is just the biggest shit toward tammy the whole time (laughs) pushing every button and twisting every knife and it is so great and i am not going to spoil who comes in and like sets her right but that is one of my favorite moments in It is the this most book. beautiful. It yeah. is the most beautiful moment. Especially because you're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Bradley Whitford turned into Rob Lowe. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So very, very good. Oh, I just feel like there's so much to say about this book, but then there's so much to not say because everybody should read it and not have it spoiled. Yeah. yeah. Just- I don't want to take anything away from um because there were a couple moments when I was like, what? <laughs> you know, and I don't, I, everybody should enjoy that when they read these books. So something I didn't know until I was reading that letter from Lemire uh, in the back of one of these trades. Apparently, part of the way through this first series, the artist, Dean Ormston, had a major brain hemorrhage and had to relearn to draw after the first few issues. Holy shit. What? Yeah, like, 
partial paralysis right side that he had to go to physical therapy for and like work through and then came back and started knocking this book back out again. That's nuts. Yeah. Holy shit. Like I even knowing that I'm like there there is I do not see a difference in this art. Like it is No, uh, yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Fucking killed it. Yeah. Yeah. Like there is this book has such a specific style but also plays so much with style. Like the amount of control and thought that goes into the art, both the line art and the color work, is just phenomenal. Um uh, and it's Dave Stewart on colors, which I think is part of why part of why I always come back to that Hellboy comparison, because one, Dave Stewart has colored a bunch of Hellboy stuff. But two, like, he does bring kind of a similar style to the pulpier moments that I think is probably intentional. Mm -hmm. Same goes for lettering. Like, because this book plays with so many different styles and so many different periods of comic history, like, the amount of work that clearly has gone into not just getting, getting lettering right, but, like, making everything fit with this constantly shifting art style and with all of these influences and still still be right and look good and be legible, which the more I, I feel like the more you play with stylized captions and word balloons and all of that, the more you run the risk of becoming unreadable. Because mm-hmm. if you need distinct color choices and distinct looks and want to build all these different stylistic divisions like at some point you just run into combinations that don't work and i cannot think of anywhere in this book where like it became hard to read no i mean and i even thought like when they're on the planet that talkie walkie comes from like i thought it would get a little muddy with the other robots word balloons but it just doesn't it just works Uh, yeah Yeah. what else anything else (laughs) Uh, I don't know. It's just so good. I'm going to have to read another volume today. (laughs) (laughs) Tim got to get his fix. Yeah. He's getting the Black Hammer shakes. (laughs) Well, then, if that is that, Tim. Yes. It's the Long Box Book Report. The Long Box Book Report. Fuck you. All right. So I read... X-Men number 274, which I believe we said was from 1990 or 1991. I think we said 91. 91. Mm -hmm. And I wrote a summary of this as well. Yes! Yay! Strange towers are popping up in Antarctica causing problems. The president tells Nick Fury to handle that shit. Magneto is in the Savage Lands with Rogue and Kazar. Magneto and company are attacked by mutants and dinosaurs. Magneto is looking to battle Zaldane. But his his and Rogue's powers are weakened. Magneto must internally monologue. Magneto finds Zaladane and quickly dis- she quickly dispatches him. Zaladane has powers similar to Polar. Rogue and Kazar are getting their butts kicked when Nick Fury and Russian Flint from G.I. Joe shows up to save them. <laughs> Magneto shows up. No, it's a hologram. So that he could figure out if it's safe. It's not safe because Magneto killed Russian Flint's son. But then Rogue's all like, we gotta work together. And everybody's like, 
okay? Zaldane is trying to become one with the planet, which sounds hippie, but isn't. It's bad. <laughs> Cut to Lila Cheney transporting a group of X-Men to some weird place to find Professor X. Only Professor X isn't there, but there's a lady called Deathbird, and she's all like, hey, X-Men, y'all gotta kill Professor X. Yeah, there was a lot that happened. Like, I, I kind of wanted yeah. to go back and read like a bunch of X-Men stuff after this. Deathbird, who I believe is now Professor X's sister-in-law? I Ish? could not tell you. Ex-sister-in-law? Definitely the aunt of Professor X's space daughter, who... Actually, now that I think about it, he probably doesn't know exists. <gasps> oh my gosh. Exandra. Yeah. Oh, There's he probably a... does. I mean, Rogue has to have told him. I mean, maybe. If I were Rogue, though, frankly, I wouldn't. <laughs> I keep that shit to myself. <laughs> this one, I, I did enjoy reading it, though. I mean, I, it was hard because I don't know what's going on in a bunch of places. But this was not a bad book for a long Fox book report. Yeah, I mean, Claremont Lee X-Men is... Yeah. Not a bad pull. No. Mm -mm. You could definitely tell the difference between uh, uh, this era comic and especially with reading Black Hammer right after it, how much more of the story is told. Like, just how much smarter they, the, the creators give the credit to audience for being. Because so much more of the story is told not through dialogue. It was a whole lot of word balloons on these pages. <laughs> 99 word <laughs> balloons yeah. featured on each and every I like, page. I was like, do we really have to, like, it was seriously like eight pages of Magneto internally monologuing. I mean, what... Welcome to the 90s. What you yeah. need to know to make that make sense is really Magneto's longest held dream is playing King Lear. That makes sense now. Doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. I kind of want to get 275. I want to know why. <laughs> <laughs> Good news. You can. As it turns out. So uh, I guess we'll figure out who's doing next week's long box off air. No, let's just do this, okay? Jen is volunteering God as tribute. God damn it. I am volunteering as tribute. Everybody go ahead and do the three finger thing. Okay. <laughs> um, I will take... This three finger thing? Door... I will take door seat. No, Alex. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Not what I expected from you. Holy crap. If you were paying attention, you would have seen I got it wrong like twice before I got it right. So <laughs> Oh. Wow. All right. Wow. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll take option C. All right. There's something about Alex doing the math. <laughs> I mean, I went one and two the first time, which. All right, I am going to forward you the email from okay. friend of the show Darren. I hope I don't hate you after this. Are you talking to me or Darren? I'm talking to Darren. Okay. Um, you have chosen Logan's Run number six from 1977. Which wow. contains the first Thanos solo story. Wow, wow, wow. How do you feel about this decision, Jen? I might have fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Brian's actually going to do it. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. 
Oh, God. If anybody wants to read along with me, why? But it is on Comixology for 99 cents, and that is 99 cents too much, I bet. Uh, I might actually read along with you on this one, and maybe even rewatch Logan's Run this week. My God. Okay. Okay. So I guess this is the thing I'm doing. This is the thing you're doing. Logan's Run, the first Thanos solo story. What the fuck? <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Okay. Man, I'm looking at this comic, like, just the cover. Yeah? Wow. Just, that's gonna be a slog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The sad thing is, we all know, even sight unseen, it could be worse. <laughs> Anything else before we wrap it up? Jin looks like she is in shock. Mm, no. I would describe Tim's current uh, face as gleeful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't wait for next week's episode. Stop it, Tim. Actually, I that's uh, that's double true. One, haha, Jenna, and two, uh, the the topic that you're gonna go over. That's uh, very near and dear to my heart. And that topic is Paper Girls. The whole damn thing. Such goodness. I can't wait to finally finish this book. So good. I can't wait to reread this all in one go and see if I can make sense of the exact timeline of this book. Okay, so you know that's what I did, right? After about the third volume, I sort of quit reading it a little bit and then waited for the final volume to come out and then sat down and went right through it. That is absolutely the way to do it. Yeah, well, I look forward to doing it that way. This is, of course, written by Brian K. Vaughn. The artist is Cliff Chang, the colorist is Matthew Wilson, and the letterer is Jared K. Fletcher. And it's fantastic. Yes. I look forward to digging into this. One of the few original comic pages I own is not from Paper Girls, but is a Cliff Chang page. Love Cliff Chang's art. Anything else? Tim, would you like to self-promote? Yeah, I think I can mention the Judging Book Covers episode that I'm on again. Because everybody should go listen to that and uh, the Haunted Hell House of Horrors, which should have some new stuff coming out soon. Should always keep an eye out for it. And then mine's at Yerk. Yes, we have, Oops. see, coming out tomorrow as this episode airs is, is this another Alternomorphs week? This is yes. another Alternomorphs yes. week. I got some yes. editing to do. Holy shit. <laughs> um... We are continuing our homebrew Animorphs RPG adventure this week. Tim is Jake. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. <laughs> it is so much fun to do. Yes. Jen, you got anything to mention? Not right now. Cool. Because quarantine. Valid. And of course, I also do Minds at Yerk and the Rob Thomas. No, not that one, Robcast. We have... Finished watching season one of Veronica Mars, the show that, while well-written, lives to just push my buttons. <laughs> <laughs> if you've ever wondered what growing up in Dalton, Georgia is like, add a little bit of murder and you've got this. We would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. You can visit our website at panelologypodcast.com. Support us at patreon.com slash panelology. Buy merch at bit.ly slash panelology merch, capital P, capital M, or send in questions, comments, whatever about 
any of the stuff we've talked about on these deep dive episodes about paper girls for next week or about really whatever at bit.ly slash panelology mailbag capital p capital m hey i should double check that and make sure no one did that for this one <laughs> oh no i'm supposed to get email notifications but also i don't trust them yeah. nope we're good all right i'm alex i'm jenna and i'm tim go read comics mm-hmm.